Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss the exciting science behind HRV and how you can apply it to your own health and the work that you do. Just a note, this podcast does not replace medical advice, and if you're going to apply this to your own life or others, please consult with a medical provider. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. Uh, Jeff Summers here, along with my co-founder at Optimal HRV, Matt Bennett. Hey, Jeff. Matt, happy Friday to you. I know. We're back on the Friday schedule. It feels <laughs> a lot better than a Tuesday. So This is very true. Absolutely. Recording this on Friday the 13th and the craziest year ever, and knock on yeah. wood, but it's 2 p.m. our time, and I don't think the asteroid is hit yet. So <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Hopefully it's not on its way. Yeah. Yes. Just, just talking about the upcoming holidays. Hard to believe we're uh, under two weeks of Thanksgiving, man. I know we're there. <laughs> not a lot of travel going on with everything uh, happening in the world, but yeah, uh, exactly. I'm sure. Everybody's looking forward to a couple days off. Absolutely. <laughs> that's it. So we, um, you know, one of the things that we've sort of briefly touched on in uh, some of the podcasts so far, and certainly something that you cover in the book, um, is HRV and how it relates to a team. Yeah. So, you know, really, we've been focused on the individual and, and you know, why HRV matters and what you can do to improve it and, you know, all the neurobiology around what HRV is. Um, and I think everybody understands from an individual standpoint how important it is, mm-hmm. but you, nobody really out there is talking about from an organizational standpoint, right. from a team standpoint, from yeah. a, a leader standpoint, how you can incorporate HRV into your day-to-day activities yeah. with other people and, and not, not just for yourself, looking at your own reading every morning and figuring out what that means for you, but also collaborating around a, a team or an organization's HRV. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I guess let's, let's start there. You, you know, I think this is something we're both passionate about, something yeah. that we saw as a gap in the marketplace and one of the main reasons that sort of led us to, to build Optimal HRV. Um, so maybe as, a, as a, somebody who used to lead, you know, caregiving organizations, um, you know, wh- why was this so interesting to you? Yeah, well, you know, one of the things, and I, I mentioned this probably with the last episode with self-care is, you know, the, the primary, for my training work, you know, in, in my professional life as well, really looking at healthcare, you know, social services, education, criminal justice, like those have been my focus areas and they dominate the, the ta- top off- occupations for burnout. So part of that message to me is we're not doing something right. Like <laughs> when, when our physicians and nurses are number one and number two, Right. Uh, there's something broke uh, when social workers and people doing social services are number three, when teachers and principals, four and five, lawyers, police officers, six and seven, these systems are broke. And these you are know, people that are supposed to be helping and in, in a position. So to... The healers are sick, you know, exactly. That's right. You know, and, and we, t- we've talked all throughout the, this podcast about, you know, do you want, you know, what, what if I, I I just had this thought today is like, what if like airline pilots were number one? Like, like, would you want to get on a plane ever again? Like knowing the cognitive 
fog that burnout can put you in, uh, the reactivity, the, the slow decision-making prefrontal cortex, like, would you ever want to get on a plane again? I wouldn't knowing what burnout is and they can put their plane on automatic pilot, which I'm not, I, I would don't, I'm not going to fly a plane. It's way too complex to me, but you know, your surgeon doesn't get to say, Hey, take over. I'm, I'm good. You know, yeah, and there's no autopilot for no uh, autopilot. open heart surgery, right? Yeah, and, and I've, I've done some research. I mean, the, the times we're misdiagnosed and given an inappropriate treatment is actually not unusual in healthcare. You know, there, there's kind of a joke in the healthcare arena. The, the most dangerous place to be uh, is a hospital uh, because of all the infections <laughs> and stuff you get. So we, we need our healers healthy. We need our helpers healthy. We need our educators healthy. We need our police officers healthy. And so, you know, I, I had this interesting experience in a, a, you know, kind of a five-year period, even though my undergrad was a little bit longer than that is I did three years of graduate work in psychology. And then I, a, I wanted to move to Colorado, uh, but I was also looking for an MBA program. I wanted, I'd been promoted to leadership, uh, realized that leadership was at least as complex, if not more so than being a therapist yet, got promoted to do that without any experience or training whatsoever. And one of the things that really hit me when I started to really study stress and trauma and the impact it has on our minds and bodies, uh, you know, intellect, social intelligence, emotional intelligence, is that a lot of these models that have been developed like total quality management or Six Sigma in the manufacturing world, and I'm not saying manufacturing is not stressful, please, please don't get me wrong, but you usually, you don't see necessarily engineers up on that top 10 list. Uh, you don't see people working on a, a factory floor on the top 10 list uh, for burnout. You, you just don't. I mean, that that's statistically there, there in the research. And I'm like, okay, these models of management are just not working. They're not working within the context of uh, occupations that, that deal with what I call emotional or excuse me, empathetic intensity. Uh, when you have to give compassion, when you deal with, you know, uh, you know, one of the labels that get put toxic emotions like hopelessness, worthiness, anger, frustration, anxiety. Um, you know, when you're a teacher and you're worried about your kid going home because they might get abused or they're in an unsafe, they're sleeping in a car or, you know, the anger that a police officer might feel or, you know, a family lawyer who deals with divorce all day. You know, this empathetic intensity, as I call it, we know emotions are contagious. And these occupations are just getting destroyed. And so as soon as I kind of learned about trauma, I just graduated uh, with my MBA. And, and you know, I, I 2000 to 2002 in that uh, master's program. And then, you know, seven years of undergrad and graduate school in psychology before then, I'm like, wait, okay, I, I sort of have some expertise in this. Uh, and, and so I really started to think a lot about, okay, how do we take all the stuff in the business literature? Because getting good outcomes, uh, being efficient, being productive is still important. In fact, I'd say is incredibly important in healthcare. You want high quality, you want efficiency, uh, you want all those pieces, and, but how do we deal with the trauma and the stress that walks through our door <laughs> each and every day? So, you know, our previous podcast about self-care is part of that equation. Uh, each individual um, has to take responsibility to bring their best self to work each and every day. However, 
um, and unfortunately, some of the organizations I work for were great examples of this. If you were a superstar in self-care, but had to come into a dysfunctional workplace every day, you, you can't stay healthy. You, you're going to mirror that dysfunction. We call this parallel processes in psychology, where if you're in a system and there's dysfunction in the system, that the whole system eventually will become dysfunctional if there's not enough kind of protective factors to confront and that dysfunction doesn't get um, addressed. And so, you know, when, when I, when I, I've, I've spent the last, I mean, really you could say, God, this is painful to say, really <laughs> 25, 26 years, I don't know, maybe, you know, pretty soon it's going to be 30 years um, because I started thinking about this in undergrad, like how do we create these healthy systems um, and so, you know, so I've had this thinking, I've done training on what I call trauma-informed leadership, really a focus as much on organizational wellness, healthy relationships, how do we manage stress in a way that also promotes really good outcomes as well. But my same frustration was there is how do you measure the health of this group, this team, this division? How do you measure that? And, you know, the, the answer to that, and I'd love to get your experience as somebody that's been in the business side of the world, because you may do it better than we do, because we're not great at this in the helping professions, is we do a survey every six months. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and I'm a big fan <clears throat> of like Gallup 12, you know, you know, you're a nerd in the business if you got your favorite employee engagement survey. And I, <laughs> I, I'm a huge, I will preach the gospel of Gallup. 12, uh, which if you're not familiar, the Gallup survey has, has done this and they found 12 key questions uh, that have been just extremely well researched. So I've got my favorite like survey, but if you do that every six months, boy, you know, it, it's not enough. Um, oh, it's not plus, enough and, and, yeah. and, and there's still bias in a survey, you know? I mean, oh yeah, I, part of it is, you know, and I, I wanna throw it over to you to hear what, what your experience has been is, Part of it when I go into like hospitals or I go is like, what is your return rate? <laughs> because almost like your return rate is going to tell me as much as anything else. Because if I see a return rate under 50, I'm like, your people don't even think you're listening to them, right? So, so not only do you have, you don't really have good data to work with. You also, you know, your data is people have given up on you. So, so it's like, it's this interesting thing. So I would love to hear Jeff, uh, you know, as you work in these, uh, really sexy tech startups, uh, like you know, like we we all dream about being. The, you know, the, the reality is probably a little different than uh, what you have in <laughs> your head. your foosball but and hot tubs and like <laughs> custom cooked meals you all get. Like, but I mean, I'm interested, uh, you know, because one of the things that surprised me is, you know, mm -hmm. how you get treated sometimes in these organisms. So I, I just kind of wonder, like, what is the what's the focus been on your health and well being in in, in your experience? Um, <laughs> there has been none, um, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, thinking back to all my experiences and, and my, my experiences have typically been, you know, 50 per person or less type, um, organizations. And then we get acquired by a very, very large, you know, multi-billion dollar software company. Yeah. And that's happened multiple times in my career. And the, and the difference is stark and it's very interesting, um, because there's, there's the talk and the walk. Yeah. Um, and you know, in the startup companies that I've worked for, that, that that's not something that is really talked about. You know, people are are 
the goal is to build the company. It's to succeed. It's to make the product as best it can be to sell as much as you possibly can. And everybody's in it together because there's a, I believe a sense of belonging in the general process of, of working for a startup company, but there's no talk about employee wellness. We don't have those six month surveys. I mean, I don't, I've never took a survey really? at any of those companies. No, I mean, I didn't even have, I don't think I've ever had an annual review in any of these companies other than uh, other than when it's me that scheduled it with people that, that I'm responsible, you know, yeah. for. Um, but with my managers, I've never had like a official annual review process, but we didn't need typically, um, I don't want to say we didn't need it because everybody needs it, but it wasn't nearly as big of an issue as when we get to these multi-billion dollar organizations where they talk about wellness and they talk so about some of them, I mean, before you go there though, like, what yeah. do you think, because I, I think folks in my world totally have this when we say tech startup, it, it brings, you know, we think of like Hewlett Packard or Apple in their garage in the Silicon. I, I just like, is there not a, like, I would think in that environment where it's such a crucial and maybe, maybe me ways like the, the, the energy or the, uh, like the health of staff knowing that that somehow is going to relate to the quality of products you're putting out. Well, where's the disconnect there? It's like, a hugely, like, so a couple of things, it's a hugely missed opportunity for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you think about the people that are leading these organizations, they're often um, people who build software, you know, yeah. they may not have experience as managers. They may not um, understand you know, a corporate culture, you know, they built a really cool product that is very technical and, you know, yeah. does cool things for large IT organizations. And then they got somebody to fund them. And now all of a sudden they're hiring people to go do things, but they, they don't have that experience that, that you know, your, your training is a great example of something yeah. that would have been hugely beneficial for them. Um, so yeah, every, I mean, certainly missing a huge opportunity there and, and something that would have been well-received, yeah. um, but the interesting part is you then get to these large organizations where they do talk yeah. about it and they do send out your surveys. It's a lot of talk, <laughs> you know, it's, you don't really know what's going on that, that, that they're actually doing anything about the information that they're extracting from the surveys or, right. you know, it's great that we've got trainings on or resources, but, yeah, they're not, you know, it's, it, it's, there's only maybe been one that that's actually sort of walked the walk, even yeah. though they're really, they're all been really good at talking the talk. So wow. um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's just a shame. It's something that I think COVID has really brought out to the forefront, everybody having to work remotely. Now all of a sudden yeah. people care and people are talking about it and hopefully actually acting on it. But I've never in my career and all the organizations I've been at felt like this was actually a thing. Yeah, where they were, uh, yeah. they cared about it, and that they, they were following through with, and, and genuinely did it. Now, you know, I, I do know people who have been at startups that were, you know, I haven't been part of the, you know, Silicon Valley startups right. that you know had huge amounts of funding and yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> Ones I've been a part of have been very successful, but very bootstrapped. Yeah. Um, so there are those those examples out there, but they're they're few and far between. Yeah, and it's fascinating because you know. 
I, I, you know, and when you start something in the year 2000, of course you think everything starts in the year 2000, but <laughs> like, it was an interesting time to be in my MBA because, you know, there, there were a few like first break all the rules, which was the first book written on the Gallup 12 and, and a present that I gave to any of my friends that ever stepped up into a management position uh, for probably 10 years. Uh, that was the gift that I sent them because it really showed that high-performing organizations were healthy, uh, that people feel cared about, they felt valued, uh, both by their supervisors. You know, one of the best questions ever, and for me as a psychology student, I just sat in the MBA class and watched my like accounting professor have a seizure when this book came out because, <laughs> you know, one of the best predictors of engagement was whether you had a best friend at work, and, and like tell that to an accounting professor. It's like, well, why does having a best friend at work lead to better uh, revenue and sales? And they're just like twitch. Like there's no, there's no like, there wasn't that sort of thinking. And then I, I thought that Jim Collins with his work uh, built to last, uh, you know, good to great. Uh, good to great also came out around that time. I think uh, 99 that came out uh you know with you know i built to last was 99 and then you know he was putting out one every two three years and it just showed that this like these excellent workplaces were healthy workplaces that leaders like cared about the the well-being of their their staff in a strategic way and it's it's just interesting to hear that here now 20 years later that 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 still kind of isn't necessarily the norm everywhere and that, that to me is a, a, fast, a fascinating thing that maybe HRV, I think part of our hope here is that, okay, we can quantify this and we can, for the really the first time, you know, in the history of management, uh, we can put a number on wellness. And again, just like we were talking about, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a physician, whether it's a teacher, then we can put all that research on top of that, right? So if you're your staff, and this is where I think I can just nerd out for hours on some of the, the teams we're starting to work with uh, rolling this out is, you know, we sort of created this initially for a, if you think about like a therapist or a physician and their, their patients or clients, but boy, that works good for a manager and their staff as well. And so, you, you know, you look at these dashboards and you just kind of get a glimpse into to people's life. But you also have this collective group that has an average HRV score for that day. And you get, we're starting to get, uh, now that we're on our kind of getting to the month, uh, you know, level with these, you know, how did that, how's that group compare to the average population norm uh, for for the group, uh, taking into account all their ages, genders, you know, how are they performing against that that average number? And all of a sudden, you you get a depth of information. Is we don't know these people. Um, they've been nice enough to 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 let us see their data, but I, I feel like I'm getting to know like oh so and so, especially if they put tags on this, you know that caffeine kind of gives them a little bit boost after they you know so. <laughs> So now as a manager, what I never had in those six months of part surveys never gave me is, how's my team doing today? You know, how, how are my, how's my team doing today? And, and, you know, in some ways, I don't really care about the individual score on a daily basis unless something big's going on. 
but what's my group average? How's my, how's my team doing this week? And really tracking that as well. I, I will scream at the top of my lungs is no employees should be punished or disciplined for their HRV score. If you do that, we're, you're not going to, that's, that's not what we're about. However, I really believe if you look at all the research around, uh, you know, staff wellness and performance, I really believe that this is a great uh, metrics of the effectiveness of their manager. Now, I might freak people out with that, but but I, I really believe that, hey, you know, now it should be one metrics. It shouldn't be the only metric, but boy, now that we can start to compare different teams. I mean, we've been talking with some call centers, actually, and it's like, well, how's working in the basement versus working on a floor with windows? You know, yeah. the questions you can start to ask to this, I think, are just fascinating. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I mean, just differences and shifts. I mean, we've, we've worked with all kinds of different people in different, um, you know, capacities. And, and one of the things that I want to bring up, Matt, because it comes up every time, and it's something that you sort of have to talk about is, is, is yes. privacy. Yeah. Um, it's important, right? So you're an employee and your employer is saying, hey, I've got this really cool new benefit. Yeah. Uh, take your HRV score every day and you're going to know about your wellness and you're going to understand, uh, you know, your autonomic nervous system better and, and how well you're, you're handling and recovering from stress. And it's a benefit. Okay, yeah. great. But I want to see it too. Yeah. Whoa, whoa what do you want to see it for, boss? Yeah. yeah. Um, why, why does your boss want to see it? Yeah. hold on a second is this for me or is this is this going to help me or is it going to hurt me absolutely so you, we, we've, we've talked through this with every every prospective customer we've had um and it, it's a it's really a great conversation to get into from an organizational standpoint yeah but um how do you answer that question so so it's interesting one is like when i talk about hey you put this on your patients clients students no hesitation at all oh yeah this would be great uh, yep. And you can also use this for team and organ. Oh, I'm not sharing my HRV with. <laughs> and so, so there's this dynamic that's going on, and you know, I've got I've got to wonder out loud is how what's that saying? Like, if an organization says, "Hey, we want to really focus on your wellness," and your your staff say, "We don't trust you enough to give you this data." I think there's a question. Again, HRV allows you that. And some of this is like, if, if nobody trusts you to give your data, I think it's sort of like, hey, we only got 30% of the surveys back when we, we handed out the six-month survey. It, right. it tells you something. But I also think that there's living in a time where, you know, I, I sometimes say something out loud to my wife. Uh, we've got listening devices in our home. Um, like, like, I won't say the name because it will set off a million listening devices. I, <laughs> Music so will so. start to play and your by, by local heart, alarm will ability go off. By Matt Bennett. Uh, but no, I won't do that. Um, but, but it's like, you know, it's like, and I think I must type it in somewhere. And then it shows up on my like Yahoo email advertisement and it populates my Facebook. Like, so I, there, there's a, there's a fear of, you know, and there, there's probably a fear of, okay, well, what's this optimal guy's going to do with my, uh, my data as well. So, so part of that, I, I totally, and we don't want that to be a, a thing. So, so we've worked with some organizations where, hey, 
we're gonna we're gonna do reports for you on a regular basis. Um, I, I think as we develop and more people ask for it, it might be automated within our system. But 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 I think you know for for a lot of folks, I understand. You know, and the interesting thing, and this this again is I, I see you know as we uh, progress with our versions is. I don't want a manager looking at daily scores. I, I just don't think that that's good because if if Jeff goes out and he might have a few too many margaritas, but you know he shows up for work the next day, pulls his weight, meets his job description. It's not my business to know Jeff had a few too many. You know, you you show up more you, likely these days. It's Jeff's one year old didn't sleep <laughs> at all. And, uh, I'm thinking back. And, and so my HRV is, I was going to say, I, I wish that were still the case. But, uh, Remember occasionally but, go out like Tuesdays and yeah. But the, absolutely. But the, but the same, same result, you know, is, is a, is a poor HRV score. And so how do you make absolutely. decisions or judgments on that without, you know, knowing what went on the night before? And so. Yeah. And if you looked at my, I mean, I think this is just interesting to share. I've been fascinated by the last two weeks. I shared last week that my, HRV scores really tracked with the election results, which I felt was, I mean, it's fascinating to get that. My wife also brought, it wasn't COVID, but being a first grade teacher, there's more germs than just COVID at the school. So she brought home this nasty virus at some point. And I've been, I'm going to knock on some wood here, but been fighting it off pretty well. But I've been in red the last two days and have had headaches you know, I haven't quite gone full in and I got green today. But if you were like my boss and said, Ooh, Matt's been in the teens a couple of days, that's way, Matt, what have you been doing? Now, probably not your business, right? Because now if I'm coming into work, get everybody sick. There, there's some questions around that. But but the key thing is, is like, what about I, I would say what I hope people would do is be comfortable sharing their weekly averages. Uh, sharing their monthly averages. And right. it's also funny, Jeff, what I've found yeah. is give someone a $20 Starbucks gift card and they will give you everything. Like, like here's my medical records for <laughs> since I was born. Like, here's my social security year. Here's my birth certificate. Like, oh, a $20 Starbucks gift card. Like, uh, it is amazing what we will do for a $20 Starbucks gift card. So so part of this is, you know, you're, you're giving somebody something so, so to do that, but, but you know, it's something to think about. One is if everybody's hesitant to share their information, what's that telling you as leadership? Um, but also, like, like I said, I don't really want managers to be looking at daily scores. Like to, to track people over weeks gives you a much better information. Because, yeah, you know, Jeff might not get a good night's sleep on Tuesday and Wednesday, but is he, is he pulling his weight? Is he able to recover from that? Am I, am I seeing that his weekly average isn't going down too much from maybe a couple bad readings? So, so there's workarounds for this. Um, where I also see this might be, you know, that there's the other argument with it as well is, you know, we talked, uh, one of our early clients before COVID hit was going to be a police force. And, you know, you know, I just, I, when I did training with them, you know, to hear some of their stories were just, I mean, what, what, what these uh, folks dealt with uh, just blew me away, the intensity of it, what they went through. And, you know, when they go through these uh, critical instances, they call them, they got to go uh, to a therapist to get cleared, but they all told me that they know what to say to the therapist to get out of it. 
So when you got someone going through something like that, a work-related, I think that's important, a work-related trauma, so to speak, you know, seeing that daily average so you can support them back to full recovery might give you uh, some really good data to help it. So, so there's a lot of gray area here um, that, that we are working with. I think some organizations, uh, we were dealing uh, with one, you know, shelter and he's like, oh, all my staff were doing this every day, right? I'll, I'll give, I'll take them out to lunch or whatever and we'll, we'll have a big competition. This will be fun. Other folks is like, oh, they think this is going to be black ops, deep state coming in. There's no way they <laughs> they're going to get fired, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so, so the challenge to us has been how do we create the flexibility? And I think we've done this successfully to say, hey, you know, the norm, the starting point is to keep an eye on those seven day averages. And, you know, maybe looking a little bit deeper if somebody's going through a hardship. Uh, but, but having that flexibility to really think, what this might be. And I imagine as we get more and more organizations, some will probably want to start out with a very generalized scope. So give me the team health, right? I'm not even individual things, which gives you a great metrics, um, you know, where your team is. And probably for a manager, the most valuable metric is that team populated data set and how that compares to their baseline and population norms really gives you an amazing in fact, I can't think in any of the books I've read a better measurement of team health. Um, so and then you can expand that uh, down to the individual level if there's trust there, if incentives make sense. We've talked about maybe giving discounts on health insurance premiums. Uh, we hope to prove this to, to health plans that, hey, you know, people focusing on their wellness every day is going to lower cost as well. Uh, so there, there's a lot of kind of gray area to start to define as we move forward. But, you know, I, I just think if you look at that dashboard of here's where my team is today, here's where my team at this week, here's where my team's at this month versus, again, population norm, all-time average, it's the best measurement of team health uh, that you can have. And there's all this volumes of data that we can put on top of that is a healthy team with a strong HRV is gonna perform better. They're, the sales are gonna be up, revenue is gonna be up, stock prices are trending in the right direction. That's what the Gallup and other uh, studies have given us is, hey, if you create a healthy, engaged workforce, uh, everything trends in a positive direction. Yeah, I mean, it's really just gets back to productivity. And when yeah. you look at your job, you know, productivity could be selling something, it could be yeah. successful surgery, it could be, yeah. you know, successful interventions, you know, all whatever it might be, the outcome is is the same success and, and yeah, higher productivity leads to more success, whatever your metric of success is. Exactly. So exactly. So yeah, and HRV can help you understand that and it can help you drive yeah. towards that. Yeah, so, you know, whatever you're doing, most jobs, you need your prefrontal cortex. Uh, I, I spent a horrible summer in a factory. I, I got so much respect for people that work in factories. Boy, it about drove me crazy. Um, but even that, you know, productivity, efficiency, uh, errors, everything exactly. was uh, about that. So even some repetitive tasks, we know that we, if, we, if we don't do a high quality, high productivity, that you know, everything on the line slows down. And, you know, so all every, I can't think of a job where it doesn't matter um, that, that you're not your best self each and every day. Um, That's right. 
you know, if our audience can name a job where that's true, I'd love to hear it. But, you, you know, it's organizational wellness, if nothing else, a healthy employee, a content, engaged employee is more likely to stay. And we know turnover is incredibly costly. So, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, this is a, you know, thinking back to the first podcast and how far we've come, you know, I mean, from from really understanding the science and biology and neurobiology around HRV to, yeah. you know, understanding how it affects productivity and, and corporate culture and, and, you know, organizations. I think it's cool. I think it speaks to the importance uh, the biometric has in everyday life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. All right, Matt, let's go enjoy the weekend, even though everything's generally closed or the capacity is so small and you don't feel good about going out and really doing anything. We uh, can at least be with uh, family and maybe a friend or two. Exactly. That's, that's the hope. <laughs> and maybe my wife will go through a drive-thru and get dinner tonight. That's, that seems to be the, the big night out at the Bennett house is maybe Chipotle. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We will see. Her school's shutting down again. So it's uh, back to yeah. that. Back to that. We've got, we've got podcast followers around the world and yes. you know, the, you know, people in, in Europe and other places are on pretty much full lockdown, you know, other yeah. than just the, the basic services. So yeah, just Stay the healthy. way the world works right now, hopefully that vaccine comes sooner than later. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks for, uh, thanks for watching. Have a good one. Thank you for joining us for this episode. If you're interested in more information about HRV, please visit us at OptimalHRV.com. Also, if you visit OptimalHRV.com, you'll be able to sign up for our email list and download our free ebook, Healing with HRV. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next episode.